Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about Gideon. And I want you to go with me, if you would please, to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 in the Old Testament. Maybe you're more familiar with Joshua, the book of Joshua. Well, it's right after the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. But go with me to the book of Judges chapter 6 and just keep your Bibles open there because we're going to be talking today from Judges chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. And Judges is a historical book. What, what we see when we get to the book of Judges is that under the leadership of Joshua, the children of Israel are now in the promised land. But even though they are now in the promised land, things are not going well for them. You remember that Joshua has died, and the generation that grew up with Joshua has died. And Judges chapter 2 tells us that after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. And so verse 11 tells us that because of that, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. We'll talk more about Baal here in just a few moments. But notice, after that generation and Joshua had died, they, they began to do whatever was right in their own eyes. They began to do evil in the Lord's sight, and they served the images of Baal. And then notice what it says. This next statement is so important. They abandoned the Lord. Now, you need to remember that because of something we're going to look at here in just a few moments. But they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt and went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. Listen to me, you never want to tick God off. You don't ever want to get God mad. You don't ever want to get God angry, and nothing makes God more angry because he's a jealous God. Nothing makes God more angry than when we worship other gods rather than worshiping him. And so that's what the Israelites have done. They've abandoned God, they're worshiping other gods, and they angered the Lord. And as a result of their rebellion, God turns them over to their enemies, the Bible even tells us that when they would go out to the battlefield to fight, that the hand of the Lord was not with them, but the hand of the Lord was against them when they would go to battle against their enemy, and so that the nation of Israel was in great distress. But it was usually when they would get into great distress that they would cry out to God, and God would intervene and God would rescue them. And that's what he does here in verse 16. It says that the Lord raised up judges. Everybody say judges. judges. Matter of fact, he raised up 12 judges, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. 11 of these judges were men. One was a woman by the name of Deborah. 
Gideon would be the fourth of 12 judges that God would raise up. And more space is given in the book of Judges, more space is given to Gideon than to any of the other judges. Samson was a judge, but Gideon gets more press than even Samson does. Gideon has 100 verses exactly that speak about his tenure as a judge. Well, what was the role of a judge in the Old Testament? Well, it was threefold. First of all, a judge was a ruler. The second thing that a judge was is he was the leader of the military. And the third thing that a judge did is that a, a judge would be the one who would listen to and determine the outcome of judicial matters. So that was a pretty big role to be in, to be a ruler, to be the leader of the military, and also to be the one who handled all of the judicial uh, judicial cases that would come up in the nation of Israel. But the Lord would raise up these judges from time to time to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Now, when you go back and study the history of Israel, you're going to find that it's very much like things are today with the people of God. There was a recurring cycle throughout the history of the nation of Israel. It would begin with them being rebellious towards God. And because of their rebellion, there would be retribution. God would hand them over to their enemies. God would allow them to suffer the consequences of their bad choices. But then in their distress, the people would cry out to God and they would repent of their sins. And then God would intervene and God would rescue his people. And this is what we see happening as we go into Judges chapter 6 and look at the life of Gideon. Because in Judges chapter 6 verse 1, notice what it says. It says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Well, let me tell you, a better translation here would be once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So, because of their rebellion, God handed them over to the Midianites, look at this, for seven years. For seven years, they would be oppressed, and for seven years, they would be impoverished by the Midianites. And notice what verse 2 tells us. It says that the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves. They were hiding from the enemy. It sounds like the story we read with Jonathan as well, doesn't it? That the Israelites were hiding from the Philistines. And they're hiding now from the Midianites. Because the Midianites were so cruel, the Israelites were hiding in mountains, in caves, and in strongholds. And then the Bible goes on to describe what these Midianites were like. That, that they were so numerous, the men and their camels, they were so numerous that you could not count them. And here's what they would do. One time every year for seven years, after the Israelites had worked so hard cultivating the soil, planting the seed, making sure that the rodents and the weeds stayed out of their garden, then finally, when harvest time would come, that's when the Midianites would show up. And the Midianites would come in and they would steal the crops that the Israelites had worked so hard to harvest. But not only would they steal all of the harvest, they would also take their sheep, 
their goats, their cows, their donkeys. They would take everything that the Israelites had. And verse 6 tells us that because of that, Israel was reduced to starvation by the Israelites because they had nothing left to eat. Now, let me ask you this. Those of you that plant a garden, those of you that have a garden, what would you do if after all the hard work that you put into that garden, that every time harvest time would come, an enemy would come in and devour all of your crops? How would that make you feel? Well, that's what's going on here with the nation of Israel. And on top of that, God is the one who is allowing this to happen so that the Israelites are, re are reduced to starvation by the Midianites. But then notice what happens. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. You see, the Lord allowed the Midianites to oppress and impoverish the Israelites because he hoped to bring them to a place where they would cry out in their distress and turn their hearts back to God. And that's exactly what happens here. Then we go to verse 7. It said that when they cried out to the Lord because of the oppression of the Midianites, notice what the Lord does. The Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. Now, I can imagine the nation of Israel are probably saying, Lord, what, what we need right now, first and foremost, well, what we need right now more than anything, God, is, is we need a deliverer. We need a mighty warrior. We need somebody that will come in here and rescue us. And God is saying, no, it's not a mighty warrior that you, re you need right now, first and foremost. He said, what you need right now is a prophet. And notice what the prophet of the Lord does. The prophet of the Lord comes with the word of the Lord. And notice what he says. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. We're going to see their Juneteenth moment here. Where the Lord delivers them from their slavery and from their bondage. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But then notice what he says, but you have not listened to me. That will get us in trouble every single time. It's when God speaks his word to us, but we've not listened. And so they're wanting a deliverer. They're wanting somebody who's going to be a mighty warrior to come in and rescue them. But God said, no, before you can be rescued, you need to know why you got yourself in this mess to begin with. And aren't you thankful today for the word of God? Because there's a lot of people maybe even sitting in this room here today thinking, well, what I need is I just need somebody that will come in here and rescue me out of this mess that I'm in. No, the first thing you need is somebody who loves you enough who will speak the truth of God's word to you and say, listen, you need to know why you got yourself in this mess to begin with. And only when you know why you've got yourself in this mess can we start working to get you out of this mess. Oh, somebody missed a good opportunity to give the Lord a good praise right there. 
And so that's why first he sent them a prophet. And notice the, the prophet's not even named. We don't even know who the prophet was. But after he sent them a prophet to remind them of why they're in the mess that they're in, now he can begin the process of delivering them from the oppression of the Midianites. This is where we get to verse 11 and the call of a guy by the name of Gideon. It says that the angel of the Lord. Now it's important when you read your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, that you understand this says not an angel of the Lord. It says the angel of the Lord. What this is, is what we call a theophany. It is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. This is Jesus himself showing up to call Gideon into action. And the angel of the Lord, the captain of the Lord's host, came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, not Oprah. All right, let's get that straight. Not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizar. And then notice what happens. The angel of the Lord shows up to this place, and Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide it from, to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, that's not how you threshed wheat. The wine press was for the grapes. You would put grapes in the wine press. And then you would have women and possibly men that would barefooted get into the wine press and they would walk on the grapes and squeeze out the juice. And when you threshed wheat, you did that out in the open. You had a, a wooden floor and you would want to make sure you're in a high place where you have a good breeze because you would take that wheat with like a pitchfork and you would toss it up into the air and it would blow the husk, the wind would blow the husk away, and then the heavy grain would fall to the threshing floor. But notice, he's not out in the open threshing wheat. He is hiding in a wine press because he's trying to hide the grain from the Midianites. Because he knows if the Midianites see this grain, they're going to take it from me. They're going to steal it from me. And so he, here he is hiding in a wine press. But then look at verse 12. It said that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and this is what I love, he, he came to Gideon right where Gideon was. How many of you know that God always comes to us right where we are? But how many of you know he won't let us stay right where we are? But he does come to us right where we are. And he comes right to where Gideon is. The angel, notice, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, I love this, mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Now, let me just tell you something. Gideon wasn't having none of that. This did not compute with Gideon at all. Gideon did not believe. Now, I know that you've heard it said that he didn't believe that he was a hero. No, he didn't believe that he was a hero. Neither did he believe that the Lord was with him. He didn't believe any of this statement that the Lord made to him. You say, well, how do you know? Well, read on. Gideon looked at the angel, and here's what he said. He said, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Mm, come on, raise your hand if you've been there. Come on, let me see your hand. 
If you ain't raising your hand, you're a liar. I'm just telling you right now. We've all been there. God, if, if you are with us, why has all this happened to us? Here's what Gideon didn't realize. What was happening to them was not a sign that God wasn't with them. What was happening to them was a sign that God was still with them. You see, when we are experiencing the chastening and the discipline of God because of some bad choices that we've made in our lives, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. It means that he loves us enough to chasten us. It means that he loves us enough to discipline us. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned and forsaken us. It is proof that God still loves us and that God is still working in us even in the moment when we may have made the worst choices of our lives. I'm gonna tell you something. This is good teaching and preaching this morning. You may not need it today, but at some point in time, you're gonna need it. Notice he said, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles? Come on, get your hands up. Yeah, been there, done that. God, if you're with us, where's all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But notice what he says. He says, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Well, first of all, Judges chapter 2 verse 12 tells us why they had been handed over to the Midianites. And it wasn't because the Lord had abandoned them. It was because they had abandoned the Lord. And Gideon needs to get that straight. He needs to understand that the oppression and the impoverishment of the enemy is not because God has abandoned them. It's not because God had forsaken them. It's because they abandoned God and began to worship false gods. We, we just don't want to admit sometimes, do we, when we are the problem. <laughs> and so, I love this, I love this. He says, okay, Lord, if you're with us, then why, why has all this happened? Where's all the miracles? You've abandoned us. I love this. The Lord don't even answer him. Doesn't give, because you see, you gotta understand, we don't live by explanations anyway. We live by the promises of God. And so what God decides to do is remind Gideon of promises. And listen to what he said to Gideon. The Lord, notice, it don't say the angel of the Lord anymore. It says, the Lord, the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength that you had. Listen, he wasn't asking him. He was telling him, go with the strength that you have. Now, of course, we're going to find out here in a moment where Gideon felt like he had no strength. Here's what, here's what the Lord is saying to him. He says, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Here's what he's saying. He says, you do what you can do, and then I will do what you can't do. <clears throat> you see, we're just, we're just sitting around waiting for it to be all God. But God says, no, you have a role to play in this as well. And he says, you go in the strength you have. You do what you can do, and then I'm going to do what you cannot do. And here's what he reminds Gideon of. He says, you just need to remember this. I am sending you. 
Do you remember when God called Moses to go and stand before Pharaoh and declare, let my people go? And Moses said, but Lord, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? And the Lord spoke back to him and said, you tell them I am that I am is sending you. And that's what's happening here. I am, the great I am, is the one who is sending Gideon. And when the great I am sends you, you can bank on that the great I am is going to be with you and provide for you and protect you every step of the way. Amen. So he says, I am sending you. But Gideon, but but Lord, Gideon replied. See, we've already seen that he didn't believe that the Lord was with him. So the Lord had to remind him. But now we get to the point to where we, we see he didn't believe that he was a mighty hero. Gideon said, Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Here's here's what he says. Now, he's talking to the Lord. Lord, just in case you don't know, all-knowing one, let me remind you that I am the least member of my family. My family is the least family in the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh is the least of all the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, God, I can't do this. I am so inadequate to which I believe, we don't have scripture to prove this, but which I believe the Lord either thought it or maybe even said it, yes. And that's the exact reason why I can use you. Because as we read on here in just a moment, when, when, when Gideon made this statement, the Lord didn't say, oh, come on, Gideon. I see potential in you, buddy. You can do this. You can do this. You know how our culture is. Come on, you can do this. You've got what it takes. You've got the talent. You've got the ability. You've got the potential. But the angel of the Lord didn't say that. Why? Because he knew that Gideon could not do it without God's help. And so Gideon is saying, Lord, I am so inadequate. This is what amazes me about this verse right here. The very thing that Gideon thought would disqualify him was the very thing that qualified him to be used by God. Because any of us in this room here today, and may I speak specifically to some men in this room here today, the only way that God can use us to the level that he really wants to use us is when we come to that place where we feel that we are so inadequate that we cannot do it without God. Because it's only when we recognize our inadequacy that we begin to recognize God's adequacy, amen, and that we cannot win one battle without the Lord on our side. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. (laughs) And, and, And so the Lord answered back to him and says, listen, Gideon, I will be with you. Listen to me, man, this morning. The Lord wants you to know for the assignment that he's given you, for the call that's on your life, he wants you to know that he will be with you that he is with you. And the Lord said to him, I'll be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, after an encounter like that, what do you think Gideon's response is gonna be? 
Gideon said, well, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign. (laughs) Show me a sign to prove that, that it's really you, Lord, who's speaking to me. I mean, come on. Is it not good enough that Jesus himself came and called you and assured you? What more of a sign do you need? But God is so patient with Gideon. Because let me tell you what God is doing. God is building. God is strengthening Gideon's faith in him. And so he says, show me a sign. And, and, and then he says, but before you do, he said, just wait right here for just a minute. And, and Gideon runs off. And let me tell you what Gideon does. He goes and he gets an offering. He prepares an offering because he knows before I can ask anything from God, before I get anything from God, I need to give something to God. And he goes and he prepares an offering for the Lord. He gets the finest goat in his father's herd. And then the Bible says that he takes an ephah of flour. You say, well, that don't sound so much. 48 pounds of flour. Now, let me tell you something. That's a lot anytime, but it's a whole lot when there's a food shortage in the land because the enemy's stealing all your food. But notice he said, I'm going to bring God the best that I have to offer. And he brought him that goat and he prepared bread from that flour, the 48 pounds of flour that he had, and he brings it back to the Lord, and the Lord tells him, you see that rock over there? He said, take your offering and put it on that rock. And Gideon takes his offering, and he puts it on the rock, and the Lord, who had a staff in his hand, just reached over, and with the tip of his staff, touched the rock, and boom, fire hit that rock, and consumed the goat, and consumed the bread, and then it says that the angel of the Lord disappeared. And then Gideon was like, oh, sovereign God. He said, I have seen the Lord face to face. Now, you can understand what Gideon understood about that was anybody who saw the Lord face to face wouldn't live because the Bible says that anyone who sees his face will die. He thought he was going to die, but then Jesus, the, Lord, the Lord spoke back up to him and said, chill, buddy, chill, bro. You're not going to die. And so look what Gideon did. Verse 24, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. (laughs) You see, he's building the boy's faith. He's getting to know who the Lord is. And he said, yes, I know that I'm going to face a lot of hostility. And yes, I know that I'm going to face a lot of opposition. But you know what? Now I know that the Lord is with me. Now I know that the Lord's hand is upon my life. And so I'm not going to worry. And I'm not going to be full of anxiety. I'm just going to, I'm going to walk in peace because I know that God has this. But then look at the very next thing that happens. It says, that night, that night, The Lord said to Gideon, okay, boy, it's time for the serious stuff to begin. He said, Gideon, take the second bull, the prize bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. And listen to what he says. He says, pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Who was Baal? Baal was the fertility god. Baal was the god that they worshipped. Baal was the god that they gave all the credit for the crops that would come in. 
Because as the fertility God, he was the one who would bless the earth so that the earth would produce crops. But not only that, he was also the fertility God, the one who would bless human beings so that they could produce children. Baal. And then notice there was an Asherah, Paul. Who was Asherah? Asherah was the wife of Baal. She was the companion of Baal. And notice, they were, they were worshiping false gods. You got to see this. Not only had the culture of that world seeped into the people of God, but the culture of that world had seeped into Gideon's own family. And the Lord is saying to Gideon that before I can take you out there on the battlefield where Midian is, we've got to start in your backyard. And we've got to get some things taken care of at home. We've got to get some things. And listen to me. This is what I believe made Gideon a real hero in the eyes of the Lord. It's not how he delivered the Israelites from the oppression of Midian, but because he was obedient to the Lord and dealt with the idols and the false gods in his own house and in his own family. And listen to me, gentlemen, in this room here today. That's where it begins. It always begins at home. And notice he says, you're to pull down your father's altar to Baal. You're to cut down the Asherah pole beside it. And then you're to build a new altar. You are to build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary. Laying the stones carefully, they were not to cut the stones because when they would cut the stones, the people would fall into idolatry. They were to just take the stones naturally and carefully lay those stones so that it didn't look like some kind of an idol that the people would worship. And he said, build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary. Laying the stones carefully. And then he said, sacrifice the bull that I told you to get as a burnt offering on the altar using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Here's what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying it's time for you to tear down the altars of those false gods that you have been worshiping and it's time for you to build a new altar, an altar where people will come to worship me and me alone. Because there's not room enough in your heart and there's not room enough in your life and there's not room enough in your marriage and there's not room enough in your family and there's not room enough in our community and there's not room enough in our state and there's not room enough in our nation and there's not room enough in our world for more than one altar. Come on, somebody. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters because you will either love the one and hate the other or you will cling to the one and forsake the other. And here's what the Lord says to Baal. He said, or here's what the Lord says to Gideon. He says, if you will deal with what you allowed in your own home, then I will deal with the Midianites when the time comes for the Midianites. If you'll deal with what you allowed, then I'll deal with what I allowed because of what you allowed. Oh, somebody hear me preach this morning. So that's exactly what Gideon does. He took 10 of his servants, and I love this. He's so human. He took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid. Listen, it's okay to be afraid as long as you don't allow your fear to keep you from being obedient to God. Faith is not an absence of fear. 
Faith is moving forward in spite of fear. Can I say that again? Faith is not an absence of fear. It's moving forward in obedience to God in spite of your fear. And it says that he did it because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. And notice, he took 10 people with him. Make sure somebody got his back. And so he goes in and here's what he does. He tears down that altar to Baal. He takes that Asherah pole and he uses it as fuel for the fire to offer a sacrifice to God. Well, the people get up the next morning and they recognize what's been done and they're like, who did this? Who tore down the altar of Baal? Who destroyed the Asherah pole? And when they began to investigate, they found out that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. And so they go to Joash's house and they said, Gideon, bring him out here. He deserves to die because of what he's done. And now we see the influence of a son on a father. Let me say that again. Remember, we saw that with the story of Jonathan too. That Jonathan had an influence on his father. Gideon would have an influence on his father because here's what his father says. And I love this. His father says, listen, why are you defending Baal? Matter of fact, anybody who defends Baal, they'll they'll be put to death by tomorrow morning. If Baal is the God that you think he is, here's what he says, then he can defend himself. And they were cool with that. And they gave, from that point on, they gave Gideon a nickname, and his nickname became Jeroboam, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. And so now every time that they would see Gideon, they wouldn't call him Gideon, they would call him Jeroboam. Baal's after you. Baal gonna get you for what you did. But also every time they saw him alive, he was a witness to the weakness of Baal and to the power of God. Amen. Now, 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 let me tell you why this is so important. It says that right after this, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance. All these nations come together against Israel, and they cross the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. And then notice what happens. After he goes in and destroys the altars and the Asherah pole, notice what happened. Then... The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Oh, now he's ready. Now he's ready. Now, now he took care of what was going on in his backyard at his family. Now, now the Lord can anoint him. Now, and, and, and this is really the way the Hebrew reads that the Spirit of the Lord wrapped himself with Gideon. Mm, I want to tell you something. When the Spirit of the Lord takes your life and he wraps your life around his wisdom and he wraps his life around, around his anointing and, and he wraps your life around, around his power, I'm telling you, there's not, there's not a battle you can't win. There's not an enemy that you cannot overcome walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power and he blew a ram's horn. And, and, and here's... Here's where we're going to get ready to close. He blew a ram's horn as a call to war. 32,000 men show up. And, 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 and Gideon's like, well, that's not bad. We're still outnumbered four to one because there was 135,000 Midianites. We got 32,000. So 
41 odds aren't that bad. But listen to what the Lord tells Gideon. You got too many warriors with you. And y'all know the story. This is, this is where everybody gets familiar with the story. The Lord said, you got too many warriors. If I let you fight the Midianites with this many, then the Israelites are gonna boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. And so here's what he tells Gideon. He says, just get up in front of everybody and say, listen, all you guys that are afraid, go home. 22,000 of them went home. That left them 10,000. And the Lord said, still too many. Outnumbered some 10, 11, 12 to one. Still too many. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them down to the river. And he says, those that when they get to the river, if they just bury their head in the water and drink water like a dog, he said, he said, Send them away. But those that go to the river and they get down on the knee and they reach in and they cup the water with their hand and they drink water out of their hand, he said, then those are the ones that I'm going to use to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Now, why would it be these rather than those who sink their head in the water? Because if your head is underwater, you're vulnerable to the enemy. You can't see anything that's going on. But when you dip water with your hand, you can drink and keep an eye on the enemy. 9,700 buried their head in the water, left Gideon with 300 men. 450 to one, they were outnumbered. Talk about unsurmountable, insurmountable odds. Talk about the odds being against you. But God would use those 300 men, along with Gideon, to deliver people from the oppression and the impoverishment of the Israelites. But not only, not only did he narrow it down to 300 men, listen to this, none of them had swords, none of them had spears, none of them had shields. You know what their weapons were? He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn, a clay jar, and a torch. Now what if you're outnumbered 450 to one and the enemy has every weapon imaginable? You show up with 300 and there's 100 in your group and all you have is a ram's horn and a clay pot and a torch. I tell you what you do, you obey God. And you understand that this battle is not yours, that this battle is the Lord and the plan may seem ridiculous. But Gideon told him, and honey, you can go ahead and start playing for it. Gideon told him this, here's what he said. He said, follow my lead. This is a different man now. A different man. As a matter of fact, when this whole battle is over, he doesn't stop until he gets two kings, Zeba and Zalmunna. He comes to a place called Succoth. And at Succoth, he asked the men there at Succoth, he said, my guys, they're weary, they're worn out. Can you give them something to eat? Can you give them something to drink? And they denied him because they were afraid that if he didn't kill those kings, that those kings would come back and kill them for helping Gideon and his men. He goes to Peniel and they do the same thing at Peniel. They refuse him any water. And let me tell you what Gideon does. He kicks tail and takes names. He's a different man than he was when God called him. Because he looked at those men of Succoth and he said, I can tell you one thing. As soon as I'm done with those kings and I've destroyed them, I'm going to bring their heads back here. And then he says, I'm going to take briar branches and I'm going to wear y'all out. And he did just that. And he said, the guys at Peniel, I'm going to come back and I'm tearing down your tower. And he did just that. 
different man because the anointing and the spirit of the Lord is on him. And so he says, follow my lead, do what I do. And when the signal was given, they were to blow those ram's horns. That was dark, pitch black. Early in the morning, men in Midianite camp were half asleep. So they're caught by surprise. But all of a sudden, they begin to blow on those ram's horns. And these vessels, and they had the, the torch, the, the light hidden by the vessel so that when they would break the vessels, the light burst forth. And all of that noise and light scared the daylights out of the Midianites. And God brought a panic to that camp and they began to turn on each other because they didn't know. They were so half asleep, they didn't know if, if it was a Midianite or an Israelite in front of them. So they were just killing everybody they saw. And the few that left, notice what Gideon and his men did. It says they crossed the Jordan and even though they were exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. Listen to me, man, I know you get tired sometimes. I know you get weary. That's why you need the help of the Holy Spirit because you can't stop until the enemy is completely destroyed. And God will give you the strength and the power you need to do it. I'm going to ask every man and especially every father in this room to stand with me right now. Just stand. <coughs> Team, if you'll come on back out and get ready to go back into that song we were singing earlier. Men, Gideon teaches us three things. Now, ladies, this is not just for men, but because it's Father's Day, that's who I want to focus on this morning. But Gideon teaches us three things. Number one, he teaches us that God may choose a man with no faith, but he'll use a man with great faith. You see, you may not have any faith when God chooses you. You may not believe you are who God says you are, and you may not believe that God is with you as he said that he was with you. God can still choose you, but if you want him to use you, you've got to let him increase your faith. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you but now just because you were like that when God called you doesn't mean that God will let you stay that way you may have been unwise when he called you but he makes you wise and then he goes on and he says instead God chose the things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful God chose things that are despised by the world things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important he takes the unwise and makes them wise he makes the weak he, take, he, he chooses the weak and makes them strong he, he chooses the despised but he makes them people of influence and why does he choose the kind of people that he chooses so that no one can ever boast in the presence of the Lord so that you will be reminded that it wasn't you but it was God in you and God through you that did it. Amen. Amen. 
And then, gentlemen, here's the second thing that Gideon teaches us, and that is before you can defeat the enemy on the battlefield, you must destroy the enemy in your own backyard. That is so important because we've allowed culture to seep in to our family. We've allowed the culture to seep in. We have our own idols, self, money, recreation, entertainment, other relationships. We, we, we have our own idols, but let me tell you something. Before you're gonna win the battle against the devil, you're gonna have to destroy the enemy in your own house. You're gonna have to get rid of those altars that you've constructed to Baal and those Asherah poles. And what they were doing when they worshiped Baal was saying, it wasn't God who provided for us, it's Baal who provided for us. And if we're looking to and trusting anything else as our provision and our protection, then we are worshiping at the altar of Baal. We gotta tear that altar down. We gotta tear those Asherah poles down and build a new altar unto the Lord. And then here's the last thing that he teaches us, that broken men (laughs) make the best heroes. Broken men, men who realize how inadequate they really are. Men who realize that apart from God, we are nothing. Paul said it like this. He said, you see, we don't go around preaching ourselves but we preach that Jesus. We don't preach about ourselves. We don't talk about ourselves. We preach and we talk about Jesus. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For a God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine. Bradley sang about it at the beginning of this message today. He said, let this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And then listen to what he says. We now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is not is from God and not from ourselves you remember when they went to war what did they have they had a clay pot with light in it but in order for the light to shine in order for the light to be exposed in order for the light to burst forth what had to happen the vessel had to be broken The vessel had to get out of the way. Jesus said, you don't light a light and then put it under a vessel. But he said, you've got to remove the vessel so that the light that represents the presence of the Lord, that represents the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, folks, the glory is not in the vessel. The glory is what lives. The treasure is not the vessel. The treasure is what lives in the vessel. And the only way the treasure can be released, the only way the light can go forth so that the enemy can be destroyed is when you and I allow ourselves to be broken by the Lord. And we realize how inadequate we are, that all we are are fragile clay pots. It's not us, but it's God in us. Oh, somebody give the Lord a good praise here this morning. Now I want ladies, others that are around these men, I want you to get up and I want you to just go over to where they are. If you're you're near a man, I want you to reach over there and lay your hand on them. I want every man in this room here to know today you're a Gideon. You may, not, you may not think you're a great, mighty hero, but you are. God sees in you things that you don't see in yourself. I don't care how much you failed God. 
I don't care how inadequate you may think you are. The very thing, you need to hear me, the very thing that you think has disqualified you is the very thing that God says qualifies you to be used for my glory and to be used for my honor. Ladies, would you just lay your hands and just pray over every one of these men today. Oh, Father, I thank you for these mighty heroes in this room here today. I thank you for these mighty warriors in this room here today, God. I thank you, God, that they're called by you. I thank you that they are anointed by you, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we realize how inadequate we are. We realize, God, that we can do nothing apart from you. We know how dependent we are on you, Lord, every single day of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give every man in this room here today. I pray that you would give them courage to start in their own backyard. God, altars that have been constructed to bail. Asherah poles that have been put up false gods that have been worshipped, idolatry that has seeped into their homes, that have seeped into their family, Lord. I pray that today they would make a decision to go home and tear down the altars of Baal, destroy the Asherah poles, and build a new altar under you, God, where you and you alone are worshipped, oh God. God, we may have had little faith when you found us. We may have even had no faith when you found us and when you called us. But we know, Lord, that you work in such a way as to increase our faith. God, I pray that you would increase the faith of every man in this room here today. May they be assured, may they be reminded this morning, Lord, hallelujah, that you are with them, that you are with them, that I am has sent them. I am is sending you. And he's going to give you the power. And he's going to give you the wisdom that you need to do what he's called you to do. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.